Wild Feather Podcast. I'm Brooke Dunwell, serial entrepreneur, sponge for life, and lover of people. Join me as we uncover the stories of courageous female entrepreneurs, founders, and investors pushing beyond limitless boundaries. Let's explore their creative journeys and pursuits to greatness. Hello, my wild feathers, my listeners, my founders. Um, my friends and um, colleagues, we are back from a much-needed break and sabbatical. I was on the verge of burnout, Sarah. I took some time to regroup and rejuvenate uh, from a crazy beginning of the year. And whenever I rejuvenate, I go into think tank mode, uh, which during this rejuvenation think tank period. Uh, we have revamped our website and branding and prepared new initiatives and created resources for listeners and founders that you will find on our website. So whether you're a founder seeking funding or networking groups or you're starting a business and you need tools and resources, we've included this information on our website to help you succeed. We have more stuff coming, so we will keep you informed about um, new stuff when it, when we launch it. But I am ecstatic to be back, and I'm super excited to talk to these amazing female founders and investors and women that are just incredible. Um, we have a great lineup uh, planned, and we've got m new guests Um coming. So I'm super excited. But without further ado, let's get into this next episode. I find this next guest very captivating. Stephanie G from Uli Ointment. She somewhat fell into a career of being a makeup artist and she became really good at it. And she was a makeup artist for movie stars and um, models and like the list goes on. And she has traveled the world. And when she came with up with the idea of Uli Ointment, she was pregnant with her first child and she knew she had to figure out something that would um, help with her lifestyle um, of being a new mom and wouldn't be able to maintain the, uh, demands of the, of her career. And so she also wanted to solve a problem, which was these models go to all these different shows. And in order to get the look that they need for each individual, um, set or, um, walkway or runway that they're doing, um, they needed, she needed some type of ointment to freshen up the face. Um, and she created Uli ointment, which I personally used and it's amazing and it can be used for so many different things. And the other cool thing about it is that it's, um, derived, the ingredients are derived from Greece, and that is where she's originally from. But she's traveled around all over the world as a kid throughout her life, um, 
we get to hear a little bit about that in this interview and we'll hear the whys and the hows and all the fun stuff. But she has some other things that she's going to be launching soon. So keep an eye out for her. But um, truly a pleasure to have Stephanie G on our show today. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Brooke. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And we would love, so you're a fascinating individual, I think, and you've traveled the world and done many cool things and experienced many cool things. So tell us how you started or what made you start Uli Ointment and how did your journey begin? Because you started in the makeup industry, correct? So I'll just, I won't steal your thunder. I'll let you get us started on your background. So I grew up in eight different countries around the world, um, mostly Europe and a little bit of Africa. We were in the Middle East and in Egypt for a little while um, and was always around hospitality. So when I decided to do a um, degree in fine art, it kind of threw my parents for a loop. They were like, sorry, what? What are you you going to do with that? (laughs) Well, okay. One, one quick question. Why did you move around? Was it your father's work or your family? Yeah. He, he worked, um, for Marriott for 30 years. Ah, So so the hospitality. Okay. Yeah. So we would go, um, it was kind of his role to, uh, prepare hotels that were being taken over, turned into Marriott's in areas that, um, weren't, quite touristy yet and we're going to become something Uh, so coming okay yeah up and coming um travel spots so it was poland warsaw right after communism uh egypt before the red sea became anything so we lived in cairo at the marriott there and it was it's fascinating seeing it now like as a kid it was the exciting piece was like, ooh, what's the weather going to be like where we're going? And what's it going to be like? What's the school going to be like? But it was also hard. I was moving every two to three years and having to like reestablish myself in a new environment, a new school, new friends. And as we know, like kids aren't always friendly. So um, it was fun and hard because then I'd have to leave friends as well. So I'd make friends and then move on. But now it's in my blood. So it's kind of hard because um, I get used to moving and I have my husband who's also moved. We met in London, but he uh, is from Argentina and grew up his um, went to college in Maryland and uh, did his senior year of school in Maryland. So he's traveled a little bit from quite drastic, drastically different locations, too. So it's a little harder for him to move though. So he like has this experience of like, when I'm like, I think we're going to go somewhere new soon. And we're kind of in that phase. He like has a little bit of a, okay. And he's processed this. (laughs) Where are we going? I'm like, it's like probably not for two years, but I'm just saying like, get ready. So Planting the seeds now. Yeah, exactly. So um, it really, those things influenced who I became. And when I was looking for what I wanted out of a job, 
a huge part of it. That's so funny. I love it. (laughs) My dog. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) It's like, what's behind the curtain? (laughs) Right, right. You don't want to (laughs) know. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So uh, a huge part of the skills that I got from um, all the moving around were adaptability. Um, I became very personable because I was constantly having to make new friends. Um, And coming from a hospitality background, it was a little bit more traditional. So, uh, you know, etiquette and all that kind of stuff at the table. And so those are all things that my parents, I think, envisaged something more than a degree in fine art for me, but I stood my ground. I've always been uh, very, uh, I I don't want to say stubborn, but stubborn as to like what my direction is. When I have a feeling, I follow it. And I guess those are the skills, of course, that like benefit me as an entrepreneur. When I get an idea, I, you know, we get so many ideas but it's finding the ideas that actually are going to stick and trusting that some won't and some will and the right ones will. So it's kind of like, those are all things that I learned from all this moving. Like it's the same with friends, the right ones stick and the right one, the wrong ones don't. So I have friends that I've known since I was in my, at well, even reconnected because of Facebook with friends from like when I was like seven, um, which is amazing. And so I have friends all over the world and that's incredible because when we're going to certain areas, I know I can message someone and be like, guess what? We're going to be in town. Or when people come to LA, we get the same experience. So it's incredible. Um, But yeah, I did it in fine art. That's what it led me to. Okay. So you chose fine art Mm -hmm. and then you ended up in makeup. Yeah. But not oh, like, yeah. spelling, like Mary Kay. We're talking like applying makeup to well-known people. How about that? Yes. Celebrities, models, yeah. fashion, advertising. Um, so from my degree in fine art, I graduated and I became part of a collective with some friends in London. And to fund my art, I a friend was working at the BBC and in campaigns where they basically set up events for these campaigns. So what you'd almost consider like nonprofit ideas that um, the one that I was working on was teaching, one was reading and writing. So teaching the um, communities around the UK that had uh, low literacy um, skills for reading and writing, but in a really fun way. Uh, because this is like, it led into like adulthood that people didn't have these skills and these centers were in libraries to help people learn these skills so that it would, you know, better their opportunities for jobs and, and whatnot. And then the other one, um, focused on teaching kids, um, what creative careers there were out there that, weren't being on stage. So you don't have to be the star to have a creative career. So I was the admin assistant and I was working in an office, which was not my jam. 
And um, so, I can imagine. Exactly. I was the one without shoes wandering the halls saying hi to everyone. We're like, they're like, uh, and um, asking all the questions. And then when I found that I wanted to go into makeup and they had like a big leaving party for me, my my boss is like, I'm so glad you found what you want to do and like something that you're good at. It's like, so you guys, this was like a pity party. You guys just kept me here. Well, thanks. I mean, I saved what I needed to save from it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but uh, it was, yeah, it was a hard. It was hard. I really felt like my soul was being drained doing something that I didn't enjoy and didn't feel was right for me. And so when. I then like tested out makeup at this like workshop that I'd helped put together the event. The guy was like, it was prosthetics. He was like, you're really good at that. And I was like, I did a degree in fine art. They seem pretty similar. And I was like, makeup artist, this is a job. I was, I must've been like 19 at the time. And then I started researching and I found that what I wanted from a career wasn't, didn't have to be art. It was the travel. It was being around people, being like working with new people all the time, like all these different things that I had grown up with that I innately wanted to continue doing and hadn't made the differentiation because these aren't things that we get taught like, Oh, look for these things. It's like, Oh, you have good grades in this. You should focus on this, you know, when we're in school. Mm -hmm. So, um, that led me down my path. I saved my money and I retrained and I went to makeup school, uh, just outside of London. And I started doing makeup jobs like as soon as I started doing my makeup training. Cause I was like, I'm only going to learn by doing it. Our teacher was very uh, clear about that. Like just start getting jobs and start working because that's how you're going to get better. And that's how you're going to learn what you need to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, the jobs just, you know, got bigger and got better and you just kind of stepped through the ladder. And that's how I got to assisting for fashion week shows. I decided when I'd worked at the BBC, I was, um, I got the opportunity as well, which was pretty incredible as the first makeup assistant role, um, or kind of shadowing role I got was on a BBC drama with Ben Wimshaw prior to him being, you know, like a worldwide celeb now. Um, And I saw what it took to work in TV and it was continuity, like snapping pictures of the scenes, knowing what the makeup was like, putting it in a folder, being able to refer back to that binder, starting at like four or five in the morning and going to like four or five in the evening, four to five days a week, if not six. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like it is not TV, it is not film. Prosthetics, bye bye. As fun as you are, this is not. It's not my jam. So I. That's when it kind of pinholed me into. Okay, well, I'm going to go down the advertising and fashion route. And I even had an assistant who later, like probably ten years ago, she started working for me. She um, thought she wanted to do TV and film, 
And through working with me, she slowly got involved in more fashion stuff. And now she has an agent and she's a very successful makeup artist in London um, doing celebrity and, and fashion stuff. So like, you never know, but it's a very different, you know, you get the constant change, whereas TV and film, it's a much longer haul. Right. That's really cool. Uh, I would think movies would be a little bit different as well, right? A little bit more dramatic. Yeah. But the behind the scenes part of it, it's like, it's long stints. So you're filming the same thing for months and it's something that like what I was looking for in a job was the travel and that you get travel, but you're in the same place. You're having to work really hard from what I've seen. It's harder to have a family because they either come with you or you don't mm. see them or so you're, you're also yeah. like working much longer hours for those months and then having to take a few months off and then going right. back to something for months. So I'm curious, this really doesn't have anything to do with your company, but how, um, how many people, how many makeup, I don't applications, maybe, I don't know how you would say it would you do in a day if you were going to fashion week? Like, do you stick with one person and that's your person all day or are you doing multiple people? Like, how does that work? So, um, you are assigned to a show. So usually you have the, the lead makeup artist who has a team and uh, that team is working on, the models for that show. So each show has its own selection. They have a casting crew, a casting agent that will pick the models specific to the show. And then those shows, those models have come from other shows usually. So depending on the time of day, like if you're, your show's at 11, so, you know, we start makeup and hair at like eight in the morning or we'll be there at eight. They'll come through from like nine, say nine to 11. And some will even be there coming through by like 1030. And there's like four people working on her at the same time, getting hair done, getting makeup done. Um, and it's an adrenaline rush. Like you're literally like to the, the clock, like working to get everything done because then nails are getting done at the same time. Hair is getting done. You're swapping over if you're not working on someone at the same time as their hair is being done. You um, have to make sure any blemishes on the body, like bruises or whatever, are covered up. If they've come from another show, you have to take their makeup off. And this could be anything from like glitter and huge lashes to nothing, you know. Um, But then their skin is exposed to this the whole time. They're on, off, sore, like red, uh, breakouts. They've also been flying everywhere because like one fashion week's after another in all the different locations. So it's New York, London, Paris, Milan. Um, So they're like going through it and that has a huge impact on skin. The food it shows isn't great. So they're literally having to eat whatever they can if they are not bringing their own snacks because they haven't had time or whatever. Um, And that impacts the skin too. 
So they're, you know, you're then having to give them a, usually it was a dewy look, fresh makeup um, that looks like no makeup. Uh, it became more of that, which it's, it's still now um, mm-hmm. because it became, it was very, like you needed a lot of skill. And then when brands started um, basically paying uh, designers to head the show, so it'd be L'Oreal, it'd be Mac, it would be whatever, then that meant that there was less money for assistance and the makeup artists kind of had to do with whatever team they were given. And so to ease it, they would make the looks very simple because then you don't have to worry as much about how the makeup's going to turn out because this one person's responsible for everyone's work. And, you know, the shows and the presentations that I have done, I was lucky to have my teams of quality assistants that could do what I needed of them. Um, So, yeah, that's usually how it works. And that kind of led me to... Um, seeing that there was a gap in the market for a product that could go under makeup, on lips, brows, because the product that I was using, I didn't know enough about ingredients at the time, but um, it it was advertised as a fruit-based product. And then when you kind of start learning more about it, you realize it's material. Uh, mineral oil it's petroleum based now oh if gosh. you know How anything does that about translate it, to fruit right so it would be, have like a tiny percentage of fruit in it and the rest of the texture was like almost clear vaseline kind of texture yeah. okay um and this is what you would use as like a base like to prep so a prepping agent i wouldn't be able to as a base I would be able to on lips. I'd be able to on brows. It was always in my kit for like flyaways or, you know, if they get burnt by straighteners or whatever, it's the first thing you put on and it stops it from, uh, from blistering. So things like that shine on the shins, like whatever. So those were the things that it was usually used for. But I was like, well, if I have this issue with these girls coming to me and there's nothing nourishing that I can put on their skin without having to take it off before applying their makeup, then something's missing. And that's where I got the idea for our uh, balm. So I launched Uli's ointment with just our balm originally, our chamomile. And the reason I chose Roman chamomile and no other scent was because it was light I have it in there at a very low percentage, so it's not overpowering. And um, because it can be very sweet, Roman chamomile essential oil has a very sweet appley scent, but it's also very uh, calming. So it reduces redness, it calms the skin, um, and it hydrates without leaving your skin greasy, which is why a lot of men like it too. Um, But I knew it needed to be able to be used like that and for makeup to go over the top. So the texture is very different to most balms. So I launched with just the balm and then the other products have kind of followed suit since. Okay. So you found this problem. You've since moved on from the makeup. You're you're not doing makeup anymore, right? On and off. COVID kind of changed everything and I 
um, left my agent last year. Okay. So I you'll still do some life. gigs. So yeah. you were trying to solve a problem, basically. Solving yeah. the need with... And this all-in-one bomb, so that has taken off, right? It, like, it gets mm -hmm. rave reviews. I ordered some. I haven't used it yet, but I'm super excited just because, like, would you only use it under makeup? I don't wear makeup very often, to be quite frank with you, um, at least not the way I used to. So, like, what are some good uses for it? Because maybe this is, I'm well, asking for my personal reasons. We just got our new cards printed that has all the ways that people use it because there's so many ways. Um, I've also put in some of the oil uses in here, but like lip balm or mixed with a lipstick to create a stain effect. One of my favorite ways. So like if you have a very dark lipstick that you tend not to use because it's so much darker or brighter or whatever, you can mix it on the back of your hand with a little bit of the balm and it will break the color down and make it more like a tint as mm. opposed to it being a bright lipstick. Yeah. Okay, great. Or patting, patting it onto your lips and then putting the balm on top and pressing your lips together. Um, keeping brows in place uh, as a primer under makeup. It actually, uh, we have a lot of estheticians and spas that use it now and they use it as an eye makeup remover. Ah, um, okay. Which... My mom discovered it was good for when she'd gone traveling and she didn't have an eye makeup remover with her. And she's like, look, look what I've been doing. That's awesome. So it doesn't irritate the eyes. It's, um, it doesn't sting and it breaks down the makeup for you to then wash your face. Okay. Uh, for babies, um, butt balm, it's great for that. It creates a real occlusive between our olive oil, which is, uh, very antioxidant rich and the uh, beeswax it creates an occlusive layer to protect the skin from the uh, the damp diaper mm -hmm. so it it stops rashes um, protecting like main base is olive oil correct yeah olive oil and beeswax Roman chamomile essential oil and a little bit of sunflower based tocopherol so everything's organic except for the vitamin E, the tocopherol, because it, it's only available as a non-GMO. Yeah, okay. Um, relieves itching, burns, cuts, scrapes, and they can be used for little flyaways. So mm -hmm. lots lots of different That's uses. interesting. So when you put it on a burn, does it mm -hmm. um, take away that, you know, instant sting or pain? Yes, that's so, amazing. I don't know if you can see that there. I can. I burnt myself the other day, and the only thing I put on it, I didn't run under, under cold water. I just put the balm on it. Otherwise, it would have blistered yeah. if I did. It just turned into that straight, like, yeah. within a few hours. Yeah. So, it has so a... It, it has what? It has a, um, it has a, uh, what would be another word for healing? Cause I can't say <laughs> not making any claims. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, it, 
calming, I guess. It assists with... Yeah, assists your body to heal. Yeah. It helps to eliminate or alleviate pain. Yeah. (laughs) Takes the sting away. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Okay, so you're... Like, I I need to create a product that will help resolve this issue, right? So when you did that, were you thinking... Oh, well, I'll start a business. Or were you just thinking, I'll create a product? Well, like in the back of your mind, did you think you were going to, did you want to be an entrepreneur or founder? So I kind of didn't know. Okay. I think I started it to start a product, start a brand without really thinking about what it meant. Like, remember, I come from a creative background. I don't have um, the strategy. I don't know the ins and outs of what it takes for a business to run and succeed. All I know is I have people skills. I was working with people that could benefit from it. And I wanted to start sharing it that way. I didn't believe in it the way I believe in it now. And that is where the personal growth and the journey that this has taken me on, I couldn't have ever predicted. Like, I didn't think about it in a way as an entrepreneur. I thought about it as the solving the need and knowing people and makeup artists that would use it and benefit from it and still do. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's how we've grown because of the word of mouth, because of people loving the product and loving the story and connecting to me. And then from there, they've loved the product and they use it every day. And that, I guess I saw an element of it happening because I knew that people um, would benefit from it but I didn't know everything that would go into it. And I'm still learning. Like Mm -hmm. we've bootstrapped this, this business is all ours and it, that has its pros and cons. Um, but honestly, like it's been a journey that has helped me understand who I am and what like I needed, I needed this to step outside of myself and see what I can give other people and not be so focused on, my judgment of myself. So I've become an entrepreneur by releasing this and knowing that I wanted it to like have benefits of the olive oil that I've always grown up with benefits of the botanicals that my grandmother had always used for us as kids growing up, like chamomile as compresses or soothing rashes and sore tummies, like all that kind of stuff. And it came from passion and it still grows. It still exists from passion. Don't get me wrong. I have days where I'm like pulling my hair out and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Right. But I don't know a that hasn't had those days. Yeah. yeah. It's like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. It has its ups and downs. Yeah. Okay. So you've got this product and you love it and um, I love something that you said. I just had to write it down. Um, so then what, 
spawn because you've expanded your product portfolio, right? So yeah. you're like, well, I have this great bomb and I'll, what came next? The oil? So the oil I'd been working on for a couple of years um, okay. because, again, I didn't want it to be greasy. I kind of want to change the narrative around olive oil. Like, you know, I remember being given a product when my son was born um, and it was by a big brand, big company in London. And when I put it on him, he smelled like a buttery bowl of pasta. And I was like... <laughs> no one wants their baby to smell like this. Like you want to pick them up and give them kisses, not right. eat them. I mean, in Greek, we say that we're going to eat you when you're cute, but you know, <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. Not literally. Well, not literally. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I always found that products that had olive oil in them didn't always smell good. So it was important that whatever I released next, I really felt I needed. And the oil, um, was it's of a dry oil. It didn't have extra things in it to make it a dry oil. It was the combination of the ingredients. And again, the smell, like everything's inspired by the island that my family is from in Greece. So the smell isn't all sweet and floral. Um, it's more herbaceous. So I wanted the oil to have this particular texture and this particular smell. And it was about getting that right. So I tried all these shortcuts to make it happen and it wasn't working. It wasn't smelling the way I wanted. It wasn't feeling the way I wanted. So I had to keep adjusting and that's why it took me two years to get to it. And now when people have used it, they'll be like, I understand what a dry oil is now. We have a lot of spas and estheticians that use it for massage mm -hmm. because it's not greasy. And then afterwards clients can still put their clothes on and not feel like their clothes are stuck to their body. Yeah. Um, and it smells calming. So it gives you that luxurious feel, but at an affordable price because as a makeup artist, I've been given so much product. Not only has that led to waste of product and waste of packaging, which is another thing that I target with the brand, but it's also led to like, um, this like, oh my gosh, when you look at the price of the product, when you go to buy it after press has sent it all to you, it's like $200 for this tiny jar that you go through in no time and are only using for one thing. So I was like, well, things can smell and feel luxurious without it having a huge price point and being able to use it wherever you want. When it's multi-use, you go through it faster. You don't let it sit there on your shelf and let it expire. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's great. I used to put olive oil on my skin. Just like, I would just take the bottle and like, um, but I like this a lot better. Because, you know, it was... Like, I don't think regular olive oil soaks in as well, right? It's more of a barrier than a yeah, yeah. soak in. So yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So then you've just expanded your products, right? Now, so it took you a couple of years to do that. And now you're in it to win it, right? Like now, yeah. when did that switch happen? And was there an aha moment or were you like, well, I have this idea for this oil. Now I have an idea for a candle. Like, or when did it switch um, 
in your mind to like go from you've got this great product and I think there's something to this and I need to expand my products? So I think it definitely happened during COVID when my makeup career kind of shifted. And I realized that I had, so it happens a lot, uh, becoming a mom and then having this like everything I've worked towards and for, I have to set aside now and nurture this tiny human that can't do anything without me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started my the brand Uli's at the beginning. And then I had my daughter and had just launched the oil too. And my husband was like, can you not just launch products when we have children? I don't want any more children. I was like, I don't either. So we're good there. (laughs) So (laughs) that was um, a huge factor. And then COVID happened. My daughter was born February, 2020. uh, And then everything shut down and, I saw that I was like, as everyone in my industry kind of went digital, like we all of a sudden were like doing all these tutorials and like having these lives and like trying to keep us out there. And in actuality, I just needed to use that time to focus on my children and be with them and be present. And actually uh, that is what led me to do the, um, to see that I needed to make the shift. I always knew I'd be making the shift from makeup to something. I just didn't realize what the path was going to be, how it was going to happen and what it was going to be too. And so it's really pushed me to be like, okay, I want this brand to succeed. I want this brand to be more than just a side hustle. And that's how it kind of took a turn. And then last year, my agent asked me, about, you know, jobs were coming back in and did I want to, um, continue doing makeup? And I was like, you know what? It's not my priority anymore. Like, I don't want to have to carry everything and go to jobs. I want to be able to work how I want to work and I want to be able to be with my kids. And so that's, that's where the shift happened. And I've started it like really focusing on the business. Hmm. So in growing, well, I think there's a very cool um, or sweet moment there, a component, how things come together and make that shift. I think you're, and women probably go through this shifting a lot. I think a lot of people are resistant to the shift. Like they, I don't know, wh- what are your thoughts? Like you're letting it naturally happen and you're very self-aware that my children need this. I need to take this. I need to put this on the back burner and I can focus on growing the business or building out the brand, you know, Mm -hmm. building out a brand and promoting a product, I think are two different things. Building a brand is, is a lot more work. I, well, it can be right. Maybe not, but it's more of everything all can some under the umbrella, right. Versus like I've got this product and it's amazing. But I love that you just let things change and transform naturally versus somebody that I think a lot of times we're aren't at the point of accepting that change, you know? Does that yeah. make sense? I yeah. mean, especially when it's involving like your career, a company, 
a baby. I don't know. Maybe it would have been different if you hadn't have had your product already. And you were going through the shift and knew there was something else, but you didn't know what it was. I think maybe people get caught up in that. But um, I mean, it definitely made a difference that it went from one child to two. Yeah. I think, right? <laughs> right. Because the first time I was in that panic of like, oh, my God, my career, my career, my career. And I actually started doing jobs right off the bat. Like I was my son was three months old. We were moving out of our apartment in London because we were going to be moving to LA. I was doing fashion week. I was on a job uh, pumping and traveling like three hours out of London and back on the same day, exhausting myself. I got shingles all in that weekend because I was like overexerting out of fear, like out of fear. And I learned from that, like, I don't need to do it like this. It doesn't have to be like this. Right. Like it's disassociating my value with my job. And that's, right. that's where the shift kind of started, I think, yeah. so that it made it easier by the second. Yeah. Child. So thinking back about that, like, uh, do you feel like you were forcing, I mean, the opportunity was there, but you were forcing matters. It didn't feel right. Ultimately. Right. Which yeah. caused this, um, you know, breakdown in your body and, and f- functioning out of fear, which causes yeah. stress in your body and blah, 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 blah. And you end up sick and you're trying to make things all, all these things happen. And I guess one of my points is, is that I feel like sometimes as entrepreneurs, we want it so bad and we want this and we want that. And we're, it's like, we're pushing up against a wall, but yeah. reality is, is if you just take a deep breath and like, let things settle in, it will drive you on your course. I mean, you have to take action, but I really feel like if you feel uncomfortable at any point in time, like you're putting a square peg in a round hole, yeah, then you need to like, yeah, there's a trust. Yeah. Yeah. There's an element of trust that needs to be there. Like a form of faith that if this is meant to happen, it's going to happen. And, you and know, the more experiences, yeah, exactly. The way that it naturally should. Yeah. Instead of like trying to, like you were trying to make everything happen and you've got, you had all this anxiety probably of like, you yeah. got to get back out there and blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. Um, I feel like in general, probably founders and entrepreneurs get caught up in that, especially yeah. if you've got funding too like if you've got vcs behind you and they're like putting the pressure on you you know you're you're just i know i found myself in that in those like i felt like i was in a race against time until i had the moment of like whose time like what what am i doing right like but um so i think you are a good testament to just going through that without maybe you even realizing it and letting things like work itself out so and morphing into this brand right which is great so what do you think what are your goals with now that you've turned into an entrepreneur founder like what are what are your goals do you want to make this big or aspirations maybe or what do you want your legacy to be I want this brand to become a cult brand that is found in homes across the world as something that is always there that you rely on, but you don't have to think about. 
Like it's not a matter of changing it up. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be something that you use for yourself, your family, whatever it is, pets, people use it for their pets. Um, and not something you need to always transition out of. Like it's a, a usual thing that's there. And I also want it to be something that, um, creates that connection and, I want it to be something that I pass down to my kids, hopefully, if they want it and are they'll be proud of it. Yeah. So those are the things that really matter. So what's next? Um, aside from growing um, and getting it out there more, I think uh, I'm working on a digital course where I'm going to help moms of either new or young kids uh, believe in themselves and trust that it's possible to do it all like I do, um, off of everything that I've learned. And then, uh, I have another business that I'm considering that is also, uh, something that would benefit small beauty brands, but that is, um, something that I definitely want to get funded and not put my own self and money into. I just believe that this is a need. So that's the other thing. That's just awesome. continuing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now I always like get caught up in, and I don't know how much time you have, so I don't want to like overdo it. Cause I know you got littles, but a couple questions I'll get through real quick. So what obstacles do you think, have, what have been your biggest obstacles and how have you overcome those throughout this journey? Um, so having the, Having the, hang on, sorry. I'll just continue that. My husband needs this laptop, which was right under mine. So that's all right. You're more than welcome. If your kids need to come in, they We're can too. Almost done. Um, so, <laughs> and it's 9 a.m. So, um, <laughs> the um, biggest obstacles that I'm still dealing with right now are the way that I want to um, live and raise my kids has to do with this world schooling aspect. And that has its own challenge because it's like, I know what I feel, what my life and what their life need needs, but, um, I've got to make all of this and like build the groundwork for the businesses to feed into that. And so that has its pros and cons. Like, we homeschool my son. So I now, you know, have to make sure that everything works around that. If I didn't have this, I'd have other challenges, but the obstacle is like making it all work together Mm -hmm. and, um, feed into the life that I see for us and holding that vision. Cause some days I'm like, Oh my God, this is too hard. I can't do it. Let's set it aside. But I know that when I come back tomorrow, I'll have like a new burst of energy and can do it bigger and better. Now, where do you manufacture your goods? And do you have your own? I'm always mesmerized by all of this. Like, did you create your own recipe and say, and go to a facility and say, this is what I want. Can you prep it? Or did you work with them on, and did you source your own goods? So up until now, we've man- we had a manufacturer in the UK, and then when we moved to LA, I took it all in-house, and they are our own formulas. I have created um, them, and then the uh, 
moving forward now, I'm working with someone to help me finalize the cores of formulas that I come up with and they finalize because I'm low on time. So I'm starting to pass those things over and have it manufactured by someone else that still fits our criteria using our own ingredient suppliers. Everything's very important to me when it comes to like where our ingredients come from and um, following the path of them. So I know that our essential oils and our oils are manufactured at these distilleries and facilities where they actually farm the ingredient. So that has been crucial. Like I won't work with someone that only needs to use their suppliers because it doesn't work for my brand. So there's been a lot of like, it's taken a lot of time to find the right person. Mm -hmm. Cause I've, I think in having products, putting all of those pieces together sounds like enormous to me. It just sounds like a lot of digging and a lot of work and then getting it all put together into a product and then shipping and packaging. And like, that's where my brain goes when I think about these products, like how do you, where do you start? Right. Like it's honestly, when I look at it like that, I'm, my mind's blown too, because I didn't come from product based businesses. So I actually joke I don't know if it's a joke, but I will never start another product-based business again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you can start. You can look at it like that, like the way I look at it. Uh, you have to look. You have to start where you're coming from, right? Like yes. get the ingredients, yeah. there, figure out the recipe first, and what you're trying to do. Yeah, if I knew what I know now, I probably would be like, "Nah, it's fine." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, where can we? Well, let me back up before I ask that. So um, what are your needs right now? How can we help you? Um, Well, I would say supporting the brand is a good starting point. Um, uh, You can find our products on Uli's, O-U-L-I-S-ointment.com. We're also part of the Conscious Beauty Collective at the moment. So we'll be popping up on their feed on Instagram. And uh, I was just in their shop in Boston, which was incredible to meet the other founders too. This is super cool. And um, Instagram, Uli's Ointment, where it's all one word. We're on Instagram, TikTok, uh, all those places. I can't say I'm very active on TikTok yet. I'm just getting my head around being in reels all the time. So, uh, it's very, uh, my face focused <laughs> and, um, stay tuned for the rest of the stuff that's coming. Cause yeah. it, you know, having the support prior to it being out there is such a crucial factor as to whether something works or not. So, right. um, I'm just excited, like reach out to me. I'm excited to connect with anyone that has any questions and, um, just supporting my goals with the business and being able, like we give back a percentage of each sale goes to a nonprofit. You can either select at checkout who it goes to, or it will be split across the four nonprofits, which are environmentally focused, uh, people focused. So there's a, a huge array and they're all, all nonprofits that I know personally, I know the founders of, and I believe in their missions. So that's super cool. We do that. And also like 
our packaging, our our seals are biodegradable. Our packaging is aluminum with no outer packaging. And when I say our seals are biodegradable, they biodegrade at the speed of paper. So you can compost it and it will be gone in a few weeks. So it's made from vegetable cellulose. Again, these are all things, like you said, these components take time to factor in. And I don't release a product if I can't get the packaging right. And the packaging doesn't align with this, which is very different to big corporations. So, Yeah. I should also mention that she has um, olive oil. Like you can buy olive oil. That's next on my list. It's delicious. Yes. It's from Greece. It's from Zakynthos. It's stone mill pressed. There's zero water waste from the process. And it uh, preserves all the nutrients the way they press it out. So it tastes incredible. A lot of people don't think olive oil has a bitter taste to it until they try this and they see what I mean by the smoothness. So it's Mm -hmm. very, very different in flavor. And um, I've struggled to find anything in California that meets the same level of quality because of, and there's a lot of olive oil companies out here. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then she has a super cool candle that's uh, it's like a candle slash massage oil, right? Yeah, uh, which smells great, and it's like a twofer. Yeah, and it feels great. It has a very low melt point, so it doesn't get too hot for the skin. So when it's melted and you blow the candle out, you can use it on your skin. And it smells completely different. There's not many candles you'd want to put on your body, to be honest. Like they smell great fragranting a room, but do you want that on your skin? No, it's like something tastes great, but do you want to smell like it? Not always, no. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and all of our glass is a percentage of recycled glass. So the candle is 30% recycled glass too. See, isn't that cool? I think that's awesome. And you've been featured in Glamour and Vogue and InStyle. And is that all the bomb that was featured? Yes. That's fantastic. It was all that's amazing. starter. Mm-hmm. So do you have makeup artists like across the world using this ointment? Yes. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great when they actually send pictures of like um, their setup, their table setup with our bomb the there. Bomb. Yeah. I love, I love it. it. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see all of the um, new stuff that you do. I'm, I, um, I know that a lot of moms slash entrepreneurs would be very enticed by your new program that you're creating, which is awesome. Um, but, and I love your products. I think your story is great. I mean, makeup artist turned into founder entrepreneur. Yeah. You're actually the second founder I've had on the show that was a makeup artist for like celebrities. No way. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because like the, the circles of makeup artists get so small and then you're like, wow, there's a lot of us, especially here in LA. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we all have different paths that we've come from or a lot have come from fine art, which is also interesting. It is interesting. I think it's the creative thought process, the mind, the creative mind. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, we would be happy to help you in any way. Keep us posted about all the new stuff that you're going to build and launch. And I could sit here and ask you questions and talk to you all day. So maybe someday we'll have to meet up, but I realize you have a little one that you have to go take care of. So uh, thank you so much for spending your time 
with us this morning and telling your story and um we'll include links to her products and um you can go on our website as well and we'll um have access to her uh social media and links and everything that you need so check it out but thank you again thank you brooke it's been so fun talking to you and i'd love to actually meet up in person sometime yeah maybe we'll find a middle ground or maybe we'll have a pop-up in michigan who knows i know (laughs) i know i'm excited i gotta go to one of those i love it i mean i've talked to like half of the people in it so far so i feel like i know everyone that's amazing well thank you for your support of course of course and uh have a wonderful day and weekend ahead and uh good luck with everything thanks brooke bye thank you for listening to the wild feather be authentic be limitless and love yourself (laughs) 